Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into this Sunday, Sunday night edition, Sunday evening. To the Rebel Report, I'm Michael Borky. Always glad that you are with me. Of course, the obvious going to be discussed today with you. The series loss to LSU ended on a bright note, but does it mean anything? We'll discuss that here shortly. And of course, the Grove Bowl had some observations from watching that. Um, a whole lot of good. Now, look, it's a spring game, right? There, there's only so much you can take away from a spring game, especially one that did not feature a whole bunch of contributors uh, this season. Uh, not a single running back that will get meaningful carries, for example, played at the spring game. But there are some things that you just can't help but notice uh, when you watch that uh, that we can discuss here, on top of the fact that Matt Corral just looks the part. But we'll get to that here in a little bit. First, real quick, the podcast brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. I think I forgot to tell you who I was, but you probably know by now. My name is Michael Borky. Maybe I already told you, uh, but I spent some time behind the grill myself this weekend. You can do the same, but get that started at LBs or get one of their daily lunch specials. Uh, stop by and see Greg and tell him that we sent you there. Uh, their lunch specials are Monday through Friday, but they are open seven days a week. Best place in Mississippi to get your meat, that is LBs. All right. So here's the thing about this baseball series. Um. I'm not going to look at the walk-off here for a second because recency bias is a thing. And while walk-offs are awesome, and they are, they're awesome. And the way they went about it, I mean, coming back from 9-1 to one and winning uh, on a walk-off home run that was, I mean, hit to the pavilion, uh, that's awesome and really exciting. And that can kind of cloud a judgment on a weekend. I even had multiple multiple people ask, "What well, does the walk on or the walk off mean that you know this team has turned the corner?" And possibly, but this weekend needs to put be put in perspective. It was another series loss. That's four in a row. This time, though, it is not a team that is on your level, or at least they should not be on your level, Florida is as good as anybody in the country. At least they can be. Arkansas is one of, if not the best team in the country, as is Mississippi State. Yes, they lost a series at Vanderbilt this weekend, but you guys saw it. They were competitive. Uh, Those are three series that, while Ole Miss should have won probably two of those, well, really they had chances to win all three. But, I mean, change one or two things in either the Florida or Mississippi State series, and you win those series. Um, but they were still three in a row. This is different. This is an LSU team that was coming to Oxford, and uh, Paul Maneri has not forgotten how to coach baseball. Paul Maneri does not have a team that is lacking in talent. There are talented guys on that team, but, I mean, this is one of the worst LSU teams that I can remember. They They are bad for LSU anyway. And they walked into Oxford and punched you in the mouth for two games and eight innings or two games and seven and a half innings, and another series loss that makes it four in a row. And you could feel it, especially on Friday. 
Friday's crowd, while big, had a very Tennessee Tech vibe to it. It was almost like everybody was kind of waiting for a reason to be excited because they felt that the outcome was inevitable, and it turns out they were right. But you could feel that kind of nervous, negative energy that the people in the stands, in the outfields, just kind of knew what was about to happen. Um, you could feel it. And right now, I I don't know if you can call it worried, but I think that apathy, it's possibly setting in, for some people anyway, at least some that I talk to. It's um, There's no other way to spin it. Maybe people will try. I, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'm also pretty disconnected in, from what other people generally, what, what other people that cover the team or, or in media or around here, whether it be journalists or podcasters or radio people, I, I don't, I haven't seen much, um, but from what I have seen, nobody's spinning it, but there's no spinning it. This is four series losses in a row, a team that was number one, and they have lost four consecutive series after reaching that number one spot. They are better than this, or at least they should be. I had somebody text into to my show today and say, well, if Gunnar Hoagland pitches, then Ole Miss probably wins. I, I don't know where that's coming from because Derek Diamond gave you everything that Hoagland could have on Friday. I mean, it was one earned run. Are, are you – I mean, maybe Hoagland doesn't give up any runs. He's certainly capable of doing that, but that's not why you lost on Thursday night. You lost on Thursday night because the team right now plays atrocious defense. Um, they, they don't make routine plays. Uh, fielding bunts seems to be an issue now. Um, that That's why they lost on Thursday. If they play a clean first inning, they win that game, but they didn't. Um, it wasn't a personnel thing. It, it was, you know, Broadway got hit, and that doesn't really happen that often, but if you play clean first, that's it. And then, and then Friday, I mean, just – a really good outing from Doug Nikhazy because that's what he gives you. And Ole Miss led a pitcher that uh, shouldn't shut them down in nine complete for just two earned runs, shut them down for nine complete and two earned runs. The approach uh, at times was pretty bad. Their, um, their lack of ability to have the key hit in key moments against the better teams they've played is uh, pretty staggering. Um, Ole Miss has been completely unable to get that clutch hit, to put any pressure at all on opponents. When Ole Miss gets runners on base, it feels like the pressure's on them and not the alternative. It's kind of mind-blowing right now. So they didn't play good defense. Uh, Right now, statistically, one of the best offenses in the SEC is now not executing in clutch situations, and the bullpen is still what the bullpen is. It's not good right now. And we're going to go through this again this week. And, you know, I don't get everything right. I'm never going to get everything right. I am an opinion person. So I have to have an opinion about literally everything. Um, And so sometimes I'm going to get that wrong. But I was talking about it on Monday where uh, I was I was told on the mon- on the show on Monday by by the two other people on that show that I'm crazy for questioning the team and you know, Mississippi State's good and Florida's good and Arkansas's good and they're close and 
you know, 20 years ago, the program stunk and yada, yada, yada. I mean, we, we got that, but I saw something and I mean, if you're going to get to where this team is supposed to be, where this team is good enough to be, talented enough to be, and what the fans expect, close isn't going to cut it. You're not winning regionals on close. You're not winning super regionals on close. Guess what? A two-seed in your regional is going to be a pretty damn good baseball team if you even find a way to host. They're, They're playing their way out of it. But if they do get to a super, which I think they are capable of doing, but if they get there, they're going to play a team that's on their playing field. And right now, anybody that's capable like them after the first week has beaten them because they're playing clean baseball. They're getting that clutch hit. They have bullpen arms they can trust, and Ole Miss doesn't. That's the reality right now. Could it change? Sure. But that's the reality with this team right now. The better teams on their schedule are beating them. I don't think this weekend was a talent thing. Do you? No. You can't use that excuse with LSU. Are you really going to try to convince me that Mississippi State is more talented than Ole Miss? I don't agree with that. If you were going to try. Same thing with Florida. But they're the ones that made the plays and Ole Miss has not. I'm not going to lie to you guys. This is how I see it. You may not agree with me always. I know a lot of people didn't agree with a lot of what I said during basketball season. I ended up being right on that. Now, they almost back-ended their way into the NCAA tournament, but I ended up kind of being right on that too. And again, I'm not going to get them right all the time. I'm just going to tell you how I see it. And what I see right now is a team that is sloppy. And when you're going, when you're in the SEC and you're playing quality opponents like Arkansas and Mississippi State and Florida, and hell, I mean, LSU wasn't supposed to be, but and LSU as well, your opponents are, are doing the right things when you are not. And when the goal is to make it to Omaha, you cannot play like this. Can they get there? Absolutely they can. Is the season over? Absolutely not. They're still probably in line to host a regional right now. Are they talented? Sure they are. Can they beat anybody they play? Yes, they can. But they haven't been lately. And so what I'm not going to do is when I have people questioning What's wrong with this team? Like I said to you guys, I think on Wednesday, I'm not going to talk down to you for not accepting this because four series losses in a row for a team that, that is this talented isn't acceptable, especially your fourth one being this LSU team. It's not acceptable. Can they turn it around? Absolutely, they can. Like I said, I think they can beat anybody that they play mostly because their starting pitching is just elite. And if they get Hoagland back soon, hopefully next week, I'd put their starters up against basically everybody. I mean, Leiter got lit up again. You can make an argument 
that in conference play, you'd rather Ole Miss's one-two punch than Vanderbilt's. You can make that argument. I don't know if I believe it, but you can make that argument. That's how good they are. But there's no spinning this. And I'm not going to do the fire him, don't fire him thing. I think that's that's kind of crazy because right now, I think it, that's just premature. You know, I don't even like having that conversation. And it only comes up when when you are critical about this team and their fall because Ole Miss fans have seen this before. You guys kind of see this all the time. And people are worried that it's just going to be another collapse at some point. And when your only defense is, well, 22 years ago, the program stunk, so you should just be happy with what it is now. You lose. You lose. It is too premature to have that conversation. The season needs to end first before we start talking like that. But now it's pretty clear that this, I mean, it's kind of always this way anyway, but at this point, fans are kind of weary of winning games in the rate, not weary, but winning games in the regular season does not impress them anymore. It shouldn't. 22 or three or four or five years ago, Winning a bunch of games in the regular season and being and being ranked was something that people didn't really think was possible consistently at Ole Miss. There's something to that. The program is stable. It's very solid. It's what it is. But that's all it's been. So considering the fall they've been on, I mean, I can't tell you the number of people I've talked to over the last couple of days that are like, wake me up when regional play happens. I, I don't care for the rest of the season. Just what do they do in the postseason? I even had a friend say to me in text messages, I, I'm tired of caring about this team to see the same thing happen over and over. Maybe that's a little hyperbolic, but that's a mood that is shared by a lot of fans right now. And the pressure's on. Can they do it? Sure. I've I've said this on like seven different podcasts to you guys. I think they are entirely capable of meet. Still, I think they are capable of meeting every goal in front of them. So I will not judge the the coach or the program or anything until the season ends, whenever it does. But fans are mad. Fans are concerned. Some fans are clamoring for change. I understand it. I don't agree. Not right now. Let the season end first. But but I understand why. They got to prove it. And, and they've got to get back quick, too. I, I mean, they are uh, on the fringe now. Uh, of, they're still on the right side of hosting a regional, at least at the moment. But they're falling quickly. They're falling very quickly. And uh, they got to get right quick, or else this is going to be something that fans point to again as a team that was good in the regular season and fell somewhere along the way and underachieved. And as the world turns, as an Ole Miss baseball fan, People are starting to worry like that, and I get it. I, I really get it. I do think you should wait until the end of the year before you make any kind of 
concessions like that, but I certainly understand where you're coming from. And maybe what happened yesterday, the walk-off, coming back from down eight to salvage one game, avoid getting sweeped against LSU, swept against LSU, maybe that's a galvanizing point. I've had a, a handful of people ask me about that, too. It's just, hey, you know, do you think that that's what's going to turn the team around? It's possible. Things like that ha- have happened before, where there was a, a team that was struggling a little bit, and they just had a, a moment, you know, something like that. That can be the thing that galvanizes this team because they are better than they have been playing. They are better than this. It's a massive red flag because they are better than this, and they've lost four series in a row. But maybe that'll do something. It's happened before. There's a, a turning point in a lot of seasons. Maybe that's it. Camp Alderman, like I said, hit the ball to the pavilion. I guess that's not geographically possible. It would be the Ford Center. Um, that's where that ball landed, I swear. I mean, that was that was fantastic. But um, there's problems. There's no other, I mean, there's no other way to spin it. Doesn't mean the season's over, but there's problems right now. Um, and we'll see if that walk-off fixed it. It's possible. We will see. We will see. All right, the Grove Bowl happened this weekend also, and um, a couple of thoughts on that, a handful of thoughts on the Grove Bowl for you. So first of all, I uh, I did find it funny. So Lane Kiffin referenced the crowd. He, he he seemed like he was kind of disappointed in the turnout. And I understand why, because they had recruits there and stuff like that. He wanted 25, 30,000 people, and 25 or 30,000 people didn't show up. And I understand why that would bother you, because you wanted more. But <laughs> here's the thing, Lane. Um, you're not at Alabama anymore. Um it was raining, and the majority of your stars weren't playing anyway. And it's the spring game. I mean, what did you expect, man? I mean, if the weather was better, you know, maybe uh, the the crowd would be better, maybe. But actually, I, I know it would. I mean, the rain kept people away. At the beginning of the broadcast, they showed people hiding under – um, a poncho. I mean, what did you expect? <laughs> it's it's a spring game. Uh, people aren't that crazy around here. But uh, the first thing, the most palpable thing, w- when it comes to just the program right now in general, um, they do work. Like like they put the work in. Okay, it's not like they're goofing off or, or slapping around. You know, it, but it it feels like. And you can see it, and you can really feel it, that they're really enjoying themselves, that they don't take it too seriously. They they get stuff done. They put the work in. They work hard, but it's football. And football's supposed to be fun. Zero fun, sir. No, <laughs> but it, it's supposed to be fun. You're playing a kid's game. It's April. You know, season's five months away. You put the work in, but when you put the work in, we're going to have fun doing it. And it doesn't feel manufactured at all. It feels like they're just kind of loose. And it's infectious. 
And you know that's going to sell well with recruits. I mean, you know that is going to sell well with recruits. It already has. But that was the one thing I noticed. I mean, you, you know, you only got a few reps from Matt Corral and Braylon Sanders. You saw a bunch of backups and walk-ons and third stringers. Um, but that is something that that you can feel, that feels genuine. Um, they have fun. And it's loose. It's very modern. It's modern college football. Not saying the Saban approach doesn't work too, because obviously. Um, but I think this this will have its benefits as well. If if you've kind of been checked out because of COVID and other reasons, I would encourage you to just kind of lock back into your football program. Because, uh, one, I mean, you're going to have an incredible offense again. Matt Corral, uh, he looks better. I know it's just a spring game against, you know, second-team defenses and stuff, but he looks more comfortable. And the, the talent is obviously through the roof, but he looks even more comfortable. But lock back in to, to your football. I, I would encourage you to lock back in because a lot of the right strings are being pulled right now. They're having fun. They're loose, but they're putting the work in. You can tell. Um, it's an infectious kind of aura around the place, and they're still going to have a really dynamic offense, and you would think they improved defensively. At least they should. So some thoughts about the actual game itself. I mean, it starts with Matt Corral. I mean, that that opening deep ball that he threw to Drummond just set the tone for, for the whole offseason, really, going into the year. People just get ready for this. People are going to sleep on Matt Corral. It's going to happen. Uh, he will not be the first team preseason All SEC quarterback. In fact, there are going to be guys that leave him off their ballot. You watch, watch. It's going to happen. Uh, Bryce Young will get votes over Matt Corral. Just, just watch. Um, he's going to be overlooked some in part because of the Arkansas and LSU games, and and in part because he plays at Ole Miss, and in part because our media is super lazy. They just see, okay, Alabama quarterback, Georgia quarterback, those guys are going to be great, and that's what they do. So he'll be overlooked some. Not by you guys, at least I don't think so, but he looked the part. I mean, that's what – so when I was talking about the Mississippi State game on the other platforms that I do – um, I really wanted to see Will Rogers look the part, look like he was in command, look like it was his team and play like it. And he did none of those things. In fact, I mean, it's a true quarterback competition between he and Jack Abraham, the Southern Miss transfer. And then when a freshman gets in, maybe he'll be in the mix as well. You you don't have that problem. Matt Crow looks like the starting quarterback, he acts like he looks comfortable. He has command of everything. Uh, the deep ball is still there. Getting a true off season with Kiffin and Lebby is uh, obviously doing him some good, and it will continue to do him some good. But that's your first takeaway. It's the easiest one. Matt Corral looks exactly like what you think he should look like right now. Um, and he gets all summer, a normal summer, in the same system with the same two guys. It's pretty special. I mean, he's special. There's no doubt about it. Uh, as far as the other quarterbacks go, 
I think you saw some nice things from both. I mean, poor Kincaid Dent was uh, was left with um, not a whole lot to work with. <laughs> I mean, uh, his his running backs are names that I, I don't even know. Um, his, his wide receivers, um, you know, he had a couple freshmen in there. I, I mean, I don't know. He, he just um, – he didn't have much help <laughs> as far as that goes. But he looked he looks capable. Now, I think Altmyer's more dynamic, uh, has more natural ability than Dent, I think. Um, just from seeing that limited action, I do think Altmyer's more raw talented. But Dent, with nothing around him, at least looks like he's capable. Um, I think if Corral went down for an extended period of time, I, actually, I don't know. I mean, it's one spring game. What the hell do I know? Um, I do think Altmeyer will end up being Corral's replacement, if I had to guess. that It's the spring game. I feel so stupid saying stuff like this. But um, he does look more dynamic. But Dent does some nice things as well. Ole Miss has a really nice quarterback room right now. Uh, Corral's elite, and you've got some pretty capable guys behind him, at least based on what I saw. Also, uh, Braylon Sanders being healthy is so big for that team because, like I've told you guys before, the who's going to replace Elijah Moore conversation is a dumb one. The answer is nobody. Nobody is going to replace Elijah Moore. It's not going to happen. He's about to be a first-round pick for a reason. And he's going to be a different guy than, like, Braylon Sanders or Jonathan Mingo or Dontario Drummond, who could have a really good year. I never liked that conversation. I do think, though, that a healthy Braylon Sanders can be wide receiver one and have a 1,000-plus yard receiving year and be an impact guy, knock on wood, if he stays healthy. If he stays healthy, he is that guy. He absolutely is that guy if he stays healthy. No doubt about it. Um, And he showed you why. It is the spring game, but he's shown you why in real game action as well. If he stays healthy, he's he's a dude. He, I mean, he's a dude for sure. Uh, Ole Miss sat a lot of guys in the spring game. I, I did like what I saw from uh, the secondary. It, you know, Prince had a couple of interceptions. A lot of guys jumped off the page in the defensive secondary. They look more confident. They look more competent also. Uh, I mean, if you've been listening to this long enough, you know that last year, even though the talent deficiency was real and obvious, um, they didn't do things that required talent to be good at. Ole Miss was bad defensively in more than just not having good players. And that looks like that's gotten better. They looked more comfortable and they looked like they understood their assignments more. They're getting lined up correctly, stuff like that. And like you guys know, on paper, they're more talented. There's no doubt that they are more talented on paper. They've got to go prove it. But they did look so – people have been talking all spring about how they're you know, they're more comfortable, they're more confident, they are more talented, they're getting better. And you did see flashes of that, especially in the defensive secondary. You saw it up front some on a handful of situations. I mean, not everybody you know, was dressed out. And it is the spring game, but they at least looked more comfortable which is all you can really take away from stuff like that. So um, going any deeper, I think, would kind of be silly. But those, those are baseline thoughts. I mean, Corral, 
elite. If he doesn't have an Arkansas and LSU game this year, he'll be in contention for the Heisman if Ole Miss wins enough. A healthy Braylon Sanders is an impact player for sure. Ole Miss's secondary looked better. In fact, I mean, the whole defensive side of the ball at least looked like they understood what they were supposed to do more. And that, believe it or not, that is a, actually a big step in the right direction for that defense for sure, is um, just kind of looking like they know what they're supposed to be doing. And they looked like that. So that's uh, something positive to take away. And then just the attitude, um, just the attitude uh, around the program right now is an infectious one. Um, it's It's real, and recruits will notice. A bunch of them were in town. Uh, I'll try to either talk to Zach Barry here soon, get you an update on uh, some of the targets and stuff like that, but a um, bunch of recruits were in town. You know they saw it. You know they felt it because it is absolutely real. It is absolutely real. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Always glad that you are with me. Have a great week. Check out the stream Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. on on the social channels and YouTube. And uh, I'll talk to you guys if you don't check those out again on Wednesday. Y'all have a great week. Go by LBs and uh, I'll talk to you then. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.